Say this with me. Let's look at this right here. Say this with me. Life is better. That means we'll do it together, right? All right, here we go. Say it with me. Life is better. Say it with me. Life is better connected. Do you realize, do you realize according to the word of God, you need more of a friend than just Jesus? As good of a friend that Jesus can be, he said he would be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He'd never leave thee nor forsake thee. He would always be with you. He would walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. You wouldn't have to worry about nothing. His presence would be with you. But do you realize that Jesus expects you to have more friends than just him? Because God doesn't want us to go through this life alone. Alone. All right, let's look here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. If you found your spot, say amen. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, now a lot of people think that that's just talking about church service, just coming together to church. But I can prove by the word of God that that's not so. That's not all he's talking about. They gathered more than just Sunday and a time of worship. They gathered and assembled together to encourage one another, to edify one another, to fellowship with one another. And he says, don't forsake that. Don't forsake gathering together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. As you see the day approaching. I want to preach a little while this morning on the subject. Let us assemble. Let us gather together. Let's do three things that we're going to talk about. It's really critical to the Christian life and the process of discipleship and us becoming Christ-like that we find in life groups today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for an awesome spirit in the house of the Lord. Thank you for good singing Thank you for a, a, a place where we can come that's air-conditioned, that's just shelter, uh, Lord, that's with good people. God, I pray your will be done. Bless us now. Give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Churches come in all shapes and sizes. They're not better or worse than each other. They're just different. But something can happen in every church, everywhere. Even as we participate together in our worship services, we can still feel very alone, even here in our church. Good people can attend church for months, even years, and never really be known by anyone. Many choose to hide in the larger crowd, and we're not criticizing anyone for that. But some of us really need to build stronger relationships, and we know it. Life groups are smaller groups of people who meet together, formed around the understanding and application of God's Word. Our joys, our challenges, and our disappointments all have one common thread. We were never designed to go through them. statements in that video is this we were not designed to face our challenges alone alone uh 
I, I was going through that video, there was, there was a fella in there that talked about, it said that it's easy in a large church to blend in with the crowd. And you know, a lot of people like a large church because they can kind of come in and, and be inconspicuous and, 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 and I can come in and go out and, and nobody really uh, know me. I don't have to know anybody and, 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 and I don't have to talk to anybody because if I have to talk, then I'm going to have to be nice and I don't have to do that. Say amen. And, and, and in a large church, it's easy to do that. In a small church, you walk in and everybody turns their head and looks at you. Come on now. Give, am I right? I hate going out to town and visiting places because when you walk in, and I know why visitors are scared to death. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm a pastor's son who's been in church my whole life. And anytime I go into a new church, especially a small one, I am scared to death. When I walk in there, everybody's going to be looking at me and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to talk to somebody now. Here we go. But see, in a big church, you can kind of just blend in with the crowd. But do you realize that's very very dangerous. It's very dangerous. I I was <laughs> I was at the gym, and uh, and 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 uh, Amanda, if you're in here, uh, I, I, I I I'm I'm sorry. I was at the gym, and and I went. I'm usually with some guys, and and uh, and and I I went by myself that particular day, and I was out there working out, and this young lady come and started talking to me, and and uh, and 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 I, I I'm thinking, uh, you know. Uh, uh, if my wife comes in here, she's going to kill me. Amen. Uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But she was sharing. She said, well, I go to temple. I said, man, that's wonderful. I said, how long you been coming? And she said, about two years. Now I'm feeling about this big right here. Amen. Now you got to give me a little break because I can't see past the fifth row. Amen. And uh, with so many services, it's very difficult. And you know what? It can be, it can be real easy to come in and not get connected and be here a while and still not know anybody well that's not good and we don't want that to be because you need more friends than just Jesus you say preaching life groups that's just one of those that's just one of those church growth gimmicks and that's a new fad and now you got to understand life groups are a lot older than Sunday school we had a gentleman come into the foyer one day uh Tammy was in there cleaning my wife she was in there cleaning and and uh uh, when he come in and was just kind of irate, didn't even go to church here, went to a church in town and, and, uh, well, I heard y'all don't have Sunday school. I can't believe y'all don't have school. Just tell me, is it true? And I mean, just going on and on and on. And I'm glad he got her, not me. Say amen right there. Cause we would, any, no, it wouldn't, I'd have been nice as she was. And, and, and what he don't understand is Sunday school hasn't been here that long. Now, to us it has been because it's been here most of our life. But in the church time, in the church history, it's not that old. But do you realize they were meeting in small groups in Jesus' day? Do you realize Jesus started the first small group with 12? Y'all with me? It is a proven model. It is something that Jesus showed us, Jesus taught us, Jesus modeled for us. In Acts chapter number 2, when, the, when there was thousands saved in the early church, in Acts chapter number 2, this is what they did. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that's church, and breaking bread from house to house. They eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What does that mean? They had their time at church. They had their time at the synagogue. They had their time at the temple there. But then they met during the week house to house. Paul said it in Acts 20, 20. 
He gave the 2020 vision for the church and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul would go and speak in the temple. He would share the word of God in the temple, but through the week he would go house to house. Small groups is not a new thing. Small groups is a proven God thing. Say amen. Now, here's the deal. There's three things in these two verses I want you to see. It's really important. Uh, When it comes to assembling together, when it comes to gathering together, there's three words, and I'm just going to take these three single words and break them down, and we'll talk about them today, all right? Number one, the first word we find is the word consider. Say that with me. Say it again. And let us, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Then he says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Why do we assemble together? John said it in 1 John. He said, I want to introduce you to Christ because we fellowship with him and the Father, and we want you to fellowship with us because our fellowship was with him. And, and, and so we want to get connected. We want to get connected. But listen, you'll never assemble with another saint. You'll never get together. You'll never do and be what God wants you to be till you learn this word right here. The word consider means to think about. That's complicated, isn't it? Say, preacher, I think about all kinds of things. But here's the problem. The verse says, consider. Can y'all read? Help me. Consider. Now, there's the problem. There's the problem. Now we, now we find out what the issue is. Preacher, how do you know that's an issue? I looked up the word selfishness. Selfishness. This is a definition of selfishness. It's placing concern with oneself or one's interests above the well-being or interests of others. Robert J. Ringer, he wrote a book, and this is the title of the book, Looking Out for Number Say it with me, looking out for number one. Do you realize that that book was a best-selling book in America for 46 weeks? 46 weeks up in the top of the best-selling books because America is consumed with themselves. Do you realize everything about the Christian life, everything about Christ's example on this earth, the model he gave us was so un selfish but here in america we are consumed with me mine and i we are consumed with what i want it's we're consumed with our desires we're consumed with ourselves. burger king will say you can have it mcdonald says you deserve a break today are y'all with me i don't know why most of my illustrations have to do with food but it is what it is amen am i right come on now am i right our, our world, our country is consumed with ourself. I mean, we are so, so uh, we couldn't live without a mirror. Say amen. But that's not, that's not biblical. That's not Christ's way. That's not what he modeled in front of us. That's not the example he gave us. Look what it says in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now what does that mean? I can tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you need to be minding everybody else's business. It doesn't mean you need to be a busybody. 
Hank Williams Jr. said it well. If you if, if, Mind your own business, and you won't be minding mine. <laughs> Amen. It's not talking about being nosy and being all up in somebody else's stuff and, 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 and bothering them and doing all that. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that. What it's saying is you need to be more concerned about the needs of others than your own needs. You need to have your mind focused on the needs of others more than your own needs. But I, I hear it all the time. Preacher, I got enough problems. I got enough problems I had to worry about somebody else. That might be your problem. The problem may be that all you ever do is focus on yourself. All you ever do is think about yourself. But you know what I've come to find out? That the Word of God teaches us, and it is true by experience, I can tell you, that when you start focusing on somebody else, and you start thinking about somebody else's needs and somebody else's problems, and you start thinking about God's business, God will get in your business, and God will meet your needs when you're meeting the needs of others. Do you realize the Bible says that Job, Job had a bad day. Job had a bad situation in his life. But do you know when God turned that whole thing around? You know when God restored everything back to him? I know he got twice as much as he ever had. He got children again, and he had blessings again. But the Bible says when he prayed for his friends, God turned it around. When he got his mind off his problems, when he got his focus off of his needs, when he got his thinking off of his situation, and he started thinking about somebody else God moved in on the scene and met his needs but see we're not going we're not going to get involved in life groups because we're too busy like nobody else is busy boy when people come and tell me that I want to choke them to death we've had we've had six funerals this week six just found out about another one a while ago, so that will make it seven. Don't tell me about being busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. The problem is, is all we can think about is our own. And that's not Christ-like. That's not. We're consumed with ourselves. Listen, Christianity is about sacrifice. Christianity is about focus on it. And watch this, watch this. In this word, this one word, consider, thinking of others. Consider one another, thinking of others. In this one word, we find two things, the mission of Christianity and the mind of Christ. The mission of Christianity is putting our focus on others, thinking about others, ministering to others, being a blessing to others. Jesus did it the whole time. As a matter of fact, his disciples were so consumed with themselves, all they could think about was themselves. And, 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 and one was asking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Uh, two brothers saying, can I sit on one side and, you, and my brother sit on the other side? They were so consumed with themselves. You know what Jesus did? He got down and washed their feet. I'm talking about the king of kings, the lord of lords, the supreme being, the, the creator of all the universe, the one who spoke this world into existence. Got down and washed their nasty feet. And you know what he said? He got up and said, guys, you see what I've done to you? You need to go do this to others. Why? Because this is where you're going to find joy. Go read it. Go read it. It's in the Word. Go read the book of John. If you do this to others, I'm telling you this, because if you'll get your focus off yourself and get it on others, you're going to find real joy. Philippians. You know, what, you know what Paul said in Philippians right after he said that you need to mind the needs of others and you need to think about others? He said this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He began to tell you how Jesus thought. And this is what he said. This is what he said. 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I know that sounds confusing, but let me, let me tell you how Warren Wiersbe, he's a, a Bible commentator. This is how he described that verse. Certainly as God, Jesus Christ did not need anything. He had all the glory and praise of heaven. With the Father and the Spirit, he reigned over the universe. But Philippians 2, 6 states an amazing fact. He did not consider his equality with God as something selfishly to be held on to. Jesus did not think of himself. He thought of others. His attitude was that of unselfish concern for others. This is the mind of Christ, an attitude that says, I cannot keep my privileges for myself. I must use them for others. And to do this, I will gladly lay them aside and pay whatever price is necessary. That's Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe, set aside his privileges to minister to others. His whole focus was on others. His whole mindset was on others. You see, we don't get in life groups. It's not because they don't work. It's not because they're no good. It's not because they're not needed. It's because we are consumed with ourselves. And this is what I've been told. Well, preacher, I don't need that kind of attention. That, that might be for other people, but I don't need that. But what if somebody needs your attention? What if somebody needs your care? What if somebody needs your prayer? And they're missing out on what you need to be providing for them. Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein, he was one of the first conductors born and educated in the United States to receive worldwide acclaim. He directed the New York Philharmonic, conducted concerts by some of the world's leading orchestras, wrote symphonies, and music for Broadway hits such as West Side Story. His obituary in the New York Times uh, called him one of the most talented and successful musicians in American history. Bernstein once was asked which instrument was the most difficult to play. Watch what he says. This is so incredible. What was the most difficult instrument to play? He said, the second fiddle. The second fiddle. He said, I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who can play the second fiddle with enthusiasm, now that's a problem. That's a problem. You know why? Because it's about me. I wonder, I wonder who in this building is ready to play second fiddle and begin to think about others more than ourselves. Because we're never, never, think about that word, never going to be like Christ till we start thinking about others. Consider one another. Watch this verse. Put that verse up there, Doc. Put that verse up there. Let us consider one another to, what's that next word? Say it with me. Say it again. With passion. All right. You know what that word means? First word, consider, means to think about. Second word, provoke, means to, to stir up. Say that with me. To, to stir up. To stir up. And what are we supposed to stir up? What are we supposed to invoke in those around us? Two things. Love and good works. If you're taking notes, that's affection and action. We need to encourage one another. We need to help one another. We need to inspire one another. When we get together, now listen, there's, a, there's just so much we can do in, in a 30-minute span of time on Sunday morning. Are y'all with me? Uh, you just, there's just so much you can do. But we can take what we learn here, 
and meet together with 10 or 12 folks, and we can inspire one another. We can stir one another. How many of how y'all got stirred up when they were singing that mountain song a while ago? Did that not crank your tractor? Was that good or what? I mean, the well song, I liked them all. Uh, Brother Jalen and them sang that last song at the revival I was preaching at this week. And, uh, and I'm telling you what, I said, now, you know you're going to have to sing that Sunday morning. Amen. That, that, boy, that helped me. That stirred me up. And we all need that. It's easy to get stirred up here. It's easy to be Christian in the, in the church house on Sunday morning. It's easy to be good. It's easy not to cuss here, say amen. But how about in Birmingham, Malfunction Junction, about 6.30 in the morning? Or how about 5 in the afternoon, and everybody's throwing you the California high sign? How, how loving are you then? Are y'all with me? Then we need some motivation, amen? I, I know ain't nobody in here singing the Barney song, I love you, you love me. Get out of my way before I run over thee. Amen. You... I'm going to patent that song. Amen. I, I fixed it up. Does anybody else have issues in traffic like me? Would y'all admit it? Thank God. I, I don't feel so bad. Raise your hand again. So I, can... I love y'all. I'm giving all of y'all raises. Amen. I'm a... God bless. It's hard. It's hard. Be in Christ through the week. That's why you need a brother or sister to text you and say, how you doing? How you doing? You doing all right this week? We all need accountability. We don't need to be strangers in the church. We don't, we, listen, let me say this. If you're missing Wednesday night, we get down and dirty on Wednesday night, folks. I mean, we talk, we just put it right in our laps. We put it plain and simple. Uh, uh, we talk about issues in marriage. We talk about issues in relationships. Uh, uh, listen, we, we, we talk about lust and sex and all these things that we have issues with that nobody wants to talk about. We talk about all those issues. And guess what? We all need that. We need somebody to be real with us and somebody to be honest with us because I don't know about you, but I need help to walk this Christian life. And that's what small groups is about. It's about encouraging one another. It's about, see, I can't come and, and sit down. I can preach it, and I can teach it, and I can apply it, but I can't come and, and Brother Lawrence, and come to you face-to-face during the service and say, okay, are you, are you loving your wife this week? Are you treating her with respect this week? So we say we can do that in a small group. We can encourage one another. Listen, we can motivate one another. We can help each other. You know what I found out? When I realized that other people are going through the same garbage I'm going through, it kind of helped me. Other marriages have issues just like mine did. You used to think everybody else is perfect and wonder why I just got, you know, I got a broke one. And she sure thought she had a broke one. Amen. But when I realize other people's going through the same stuff, it makes going through life a whole lot easier. And you can't do that if the only time we see you is on Sunday morning. Amen. Chirp, chirp, chirp. I can hear crickets. We need to be in life groups. Why? So we can think of others. Life groups gives us an opportunity to put somebody else before our own needs. Well, it's just not convenient. Okay, let's deal with that. Nothing in the Christian life is convenient. The cross was not convenient. The crown of thorns was not convenient. The whips on his back was not convenient. Do you realize the thrashing and the, and the suffering and the torture that the early church and the early disciples went to so you could have a Bible sitting in your lap? None of that was convenient. 
Listen, the Christian life is not about convenience. Uh, we have we have different services. We have different services uh, so we can fit people in, not so it's convenient. It's never been about convenience. It's never been. I wouldn't preach my guts out all that I do uh, just to make it convenient for you. Because it's not convenient for me. Are y'all with me? And I, I'm being honest. I think I can be honest at home. I've been preaching out abroad, and I, I have to behave. I can be honest here, can't I? It's not about convenience. I know to some of y'all, you think it is. Well, we can get there at 8.30 and get it over with. I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> if that's the case, don't tell me, amen? Get it over with. It's not about convenience. Listen, uh, I found this out. Anything worth doing, it's going to take some doing. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Y'all with me? So let's just get the convenience word out. Uh, let's, let's, get the, uh, let's get the selfishness word out. And let's just start thinking of others. Let's provoke one another. And one more word I want to talk about and we'll pray. He said to consider. That means to think about. We need to consider one another. That's the mission of Christianity. That's the mind of Christ. Thinking of others. All right. Then he gave us a word. He gave us the word provoke. Say that word with me. Provoke. What does that mean? To stir up. Say it with me. To, to stir up. Two things we need to stir up in each other. Love and good works. Or, if you're alliterating it, affection and action. We need to be more Christians out there than we are in here. Let me say it again. We need to be more Christians out there than we are in here. This is a pep rally. That is the game. We come here to encourage one another so we can go out there and be Christ. You know the problem with our communities and our country? The only Christ or Christians that people see in the community is your backside coming into the church. And the problem is we're not taking what we get here out there. But if we come together and assemble together and encourage and promote and stir one another up to be Christ, it will turn this world upside down. Amen? Then the last word. One more word and we'll pray. The word he gives us is exhort. Say that with me. Exhort. Exhort. What does that mean? It's a two-part word. And it's close. It's close to the word that's given comforter in, re in reference to the Holy Spirit, paraclete. It's pericleos, which means, it's two words, pada and, 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 and cleat, which means call near. Say that with me. Call near for consolation, comfort. Care. Brother Kendrick, come up here for just a second. Let's illustrate this a little bit. Brother Kendrick's living his life. I'm living my life. Brother Kendrick goes through a tragedy. He goes through a difficulty. He goes through a hardship. Just, just like what we've, we face this week, family after family after family going through a difficulty. I'm talking about a mother was lost this week. A, a sister was lost this week. A grandbaby was lost this week. The funeral yesterday, the coffin was this big. A grandmother was lost last night. Listen, a cousin. Seven different folks went through tragedies, difficulties, heartbreaking things. And what the Bible says, when he's going through difficulty, I am to exhort him. 
What does exhort mean? Two words. Say it with me. Say it again. Call near. We come together. I call him near to care, to comfort, to love, to minister. Now watch this. Stand back here. Watch what these verses say. Watch what these verses say. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 verse 25 says this. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care. Say it with me. The same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. What does that mean? That means this. You don't pay the preacher to care for everybody. That's not God's model. That's not God's design. Well, what are they supposed to do? According to the book of Acts, prayer and the word of God. Look it up. I'm not shucking my duties. I still go to everything and do everything I possibly can in my physical ability. But do you know I'm very limited in my physical ability and my time? One situation just a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, I had to split up and send a couple pastors on that side of town. And I went on this side of town because we had two people just about to leave this world. And then when I got to this side of town, they said, this one's just in a few moments, please. So I had to leave from that one and go to this one. And they both passed away about two, two days apart from one another. I went to the, this one on this side of the town uh, on the Sunday that that happened. And on the way there, I found out that my uncle had passed away. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm just saying, I'm one person. I'm one person. The Bible says that the care of the church is caring one for. And you know what? I got to see that yesterday. I got to see a life group huddle around a family that was going through a difficulty and hold them and care for them and pray for them, cook food for them, minister to them, meet their need. What does the Bible say? When one weeps, we all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's God's model. But do you know what the problem is? We're too selfish. We can't rejoice with them that rejoice. We can't do that because we're too selfish. If they get a new dress or if they get a new car, if they get a new this, all we say, well, it's probably fake. Somebody pulled in with a 67 black on black Chevelle, 396. Somebody say your man right there. Somebody in the church say, I bet it's not numbers matching. I bet it ain't true, SS. It's probably just clone. I bet it's just a clone. It don't even sound right. You know what I'd say? Can I ride? Matter of fact, can I drive? Amen. Why can't we rejoice when somebody else gets blessed? I'll tell you why. Selfish. Selfish. Yesterday, yesterday at that baby's funeral, I blubbered the whole time. I don't know what I said. I, don't, I might not have said anything. I, I, all I could do is cry. But do you know that's what God said we're supposed to do? Preacher, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Probably saying and doing something I've found has caused more harm than just being there. He said just weep with those that weep. But we be willing to rejoice with those that rejoice. Let me tell you this. If you can never rejoice with somebody else's blessing, God's never going to bless you. Because God's called us to call near. Brother, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm here. If there's anything we can do, hey, here we go.
Well, I tell you what, I can, I can, I can just go to church at home. I can watch one of them TV preachers. Who are you going to call when your family member passes away? You say, here's, here's what we want to do. We don't want, we don't want, focus on me, focus on me, focus on me. We don't want to do what we need to do in the church to make this happen, but then we get upset. We don't get in a small group. We don't come and, and utilize the ministry that God's allowed us to have to be able to minister to people. And then if you don't get a phone call when you go through a difficulty, you get mad. Now, really? God has given us a, a model to use to care and be a blessing to others. But you won't, you're too selfish to get in it. And then you get mad at people if they don't call. Well, maybe we didn't know. I tell you what, I've been in the hospital three days and nobody called me. Did you tell us? Now, I know we've made mistakes. I know we're not supposed to, but have you ever made one? We expect everybody to be perfect. And we're never going to be perfect. There's no perfect life group because they're made of imperfect people. But it's the best we got. And it's what God has given us. Preacher, what are you saying? I want to care for you. I want all your needs to be met. I want you to be prayed for. I want you to be loved. I want you, but you got to help us. Help us help you. Well, I tell you, I'm just going to go to a small church. That's your prerogative. That's your prerogative. But that's not going to change the fact that that's, this is still God's model. Even in a small church, if, if the pastor only has 20 people, yeah, he can keep up with all them. But he still, that's not his purpose. That's not what, I got my Bible. If you want to discuss this and debate this, I'm, I'll be fine with you. I got my Bible, you bring your Bible. The Bible says is sheep are to care one for another. 36 different one another's in the New Testament. I don't like that. You're going to take that up with Jesus. Because God called you and me to think of others, consider one another. God called you and me to provoke or to stir up one another. God called you and me to exhort or call near and comfort and consolation and care one for another. That's God's design. And all God's people say it. Amen. Father, help us to do this. This is so important. This is not just about trying to build a ministry. This is not just about a gimmick or a fad. This is the truth of the gospel. You've called us to care one for another. Now, Father, we want to take a moment and do that very thing. This is the invitation as everybody's very still. Everybody's very still and reverent. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to be saved, we want to call them near. We want to comfort them. We want to meet their need. Lord, we have altar workers at this altar. Be glad to take a Bible and show them how they can know, know Jesus as their Savior. God, we've got folks. Be glad to pray with folks that are discouraged. Maybe, maybe some of those families who've lost a loved one this week are here this morning and they just need somebody to pray with them and pray over them. Lord, I want them to come. I want them to find a place in this altar and we're going to pray for them. We're going to gather around them as a family and we're going to meet their needs and pray. God, maybe there's somebody here that's just discouraged, broken, and they need comfort and help.
God, I want them to find a place right now as I'm praying. Right now as I'm praying, just find a place in this altar. We want to minister and pray for them. Maybe today is the day they need to join the church. Maybe they've been coming a while and God has spoken to their heart. Lord, you've spoken to their heart and they need to come and join up at Temple Baptist Church. God, let them come now. I pray your will be done in everything we do. Lord, we're not going to drag out no invitation, but we want to give everyone an opportunity to have their needs met today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Everyone stand to your feet if you need to come. I want you to come right now.